the Spirit of God <clears throat> is saying to us, and we want to welcome everybody who's on the internet streaming live, and the Lord has a word for us. And uh, in, in addition, and Pastor Shirley was exhorting on Amos 9.13, and the Lord said, just as the book of Amos talked about current situations and talked about the future season, the Amos 9.13 season, in the prior chapters in the book of Amos, God spoke about Israel's condition and there being a condition of gloom and doom in the earth. Ms. Nola, open that door for those girls in there and see if you can open Pastor Shirley and just let them know God wants to speak to us. But he spoke of gloom and doom upon the earth. And Amos 9 was a turning point from what was going on before and in that turning point the Lord is saying that there was such a drastic turnaround that there had to be a change in the mindset of the people to accept what God was doing and the Lord is saying in this hour he is causing a change of seasons and he is causing a turnaround such that those who will receive it if you will allow God to change your mentality, change your thinking, change your expectation first, because many of you, the Lord says, you are trying to believe. Can I get an amen? amen. You're trying to believe. And God says, as a man thinketh in his heart, in his innermost being, in the deepest part, in the deepest part of you, the Lord is saying, as you think in the deepest part of you, so are you. And the Lord is saying, this is why in this Amos 9.13 season, I am causing a restructuring, a renovation, a restoration, an uprooting, a tearing down, and then a building up on the inside of my people before they can experience this, says the Spirit of God. And those who will stay with me and understand and expect that there must be an inner acceptance first, an inner change. You must open your heart to think differently in the innermost core of you, says the Lord. And the more you allow me to change the innermost core of you, the greater will be your season. The greater will be the overflow. The greater will be what you receive, says the Spirit of God, because this season denotes not only a change in the outer manifestation, but a change in the inward man, says the Lord. This blessedness starts on the inside and works its way out, says the Spirit of God. This is a spiritual blessing first, says the Lord. And then from what is in your heart, you will speak out of your mouth. And you will see the manifestation of that which I am doing in the earth, says the Spirit of God. For I have caused you to prophesy and change the course of this nation. Change the course of what you see on the news. Change the course of everything. This is for my kingdom purpose, which will make everybody's life better, says the Lord. When my kingdom manifests, there's such a great manifestation of goodness and mercy. And purity and justice and holiness that it makes the whole earth better to live in, says the Lord. And isn't that what you really want? 
says the Lord, you want something to happen beyond your pocketbook and beyond your household and beyond your children and grandchildren, says the Lord. And so in this season, I am causing my people to come out of themselves more and come into a greater understanding of their place in the earth in this hour, says the Spirit of God. There is a turnaround and a change of seasons that you are in right now, says the Lord. This is a turnaround for you. And many of you who have tried to expect blessings, have tried to expect, need only to do one thing, and that is say, change me first, Lord. Make room in me for more, Lord. And I will do what I need to do to make this thing real to you, says the Spirit of God. For many times things are announced and my people get the superficial, but they never get the essence of it. But this thing I want you to receive, says the Lord. I want you to receive it. And I want you to experience the fullness of it. That's why I I have my prophets prophesy and that's why you have my word is to know the fullness of what's coming to you, says the Spirit of God. And all you need do is allow me to do the work in you to make this real. If I can work the work in you, then I can get it through you, and I can get it to you, says the Spirit of God. So this work that I'm doing is going to be a turnaround for you. It will be a personal turnaround. For some of you have great anxiety about your future some of you even when i open doors for you you have great anxiety because you have memories of what happened to the last open door says the lord but if you will allow me to work the work in you that i want to do i will change you and as you think in your heart you will see yourself whole you will see yourself rich you will see yourself wealthy you will see yourself pure You will see yourself righteous. You will see yourself deserving. You will see yourself able to maintain everything that I bring into your life, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. For I know, says the Lord, that some of you don't really think it's going to happen for you. And I'm coming to correct that. I don't want any of my children on the outside looking in. I don't want anybody on the outside looking in. And I prepare and I make you able to believe, genuinely believe. Not say you believe and not hope you believe and not give it lip service and pretend to be believing because you think everybody else is, says the Lord. But I want this to be real for all of you. And I made preparation. I see everything and I know everything. You can't hide anything from me. And so I receive, I understand what it's going to take for you to get that change on the inside. Where deep in the core of your, your, the essence of your being, the center of your being, your spirit, your heart, where I dwell. You will really, really understand and really, really know what it is to be wealthy to be pure, to be whole, to be deserving. All of that I want to put in you and you doubt no more. You fear no more. You're no longer anxious and nervous about whether or not it pertains to you and whether you can receive it. 
And some of you just skip over it. You have such fear that I will bless you that you skip right over many of the things that are being said in this hour, says the Lord. I want you to have them. They're for you. I mean you, says the Lord. You and you and you and you and you and all of you, says the Lord. This isn't something that you earn. It's something that you receive. And I prepare you to receive it so that it'll be real. It'll produce. It'll last. It'll stay. Some of you fear losing. That's why you're reluctant to reach out. I want to change that in you, says the Lord. I want to change that in you. So if you let me, I'll do it. I'm going to do all the work. I'm going to do everything that needs to be done, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, God wants everybody to stand up right where you are and turn around. And that's all you need to do for God to do what he wants to do. See? It's a new thing. You got your witness from the Holy Spirit? You felt the anointing? So he's going to do it, okay? You by internet. Sorry about that. Everybody stand right where you are. If you're streaming live, stand right where you are and turn around one time. And that's the turnaround God's going to do in you, bring you into the new season that he has for you. And he's going to do the work, says the Spirit of the living God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. You may be seated in the Lord's presence. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> That's why I wanted everybody in here. That was not a rebuke. That was an invitation, but a firm invitation. <laughs> Amen. As the Lord said, get everybody in here. So praise God. Amen. We don't have, no, we don't have any wandering Christians. <laughs> We're all one people. Amen. Praise God. Father in heaven, we thank you. This is the day that you've made for us to rejoice and to be glad in. Amen. Amen. When you decree a thing, you will do it. And we have to be attentive enough to you to allow you to do these things. So we thank you for the doing of them, Lord, for the performing of it. And that's all up to you. All we have to do is let you. And we let you. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. <clears throat> Praise God. So um, I figured today I could talk about this blessedness. Okay? This blessedness. This blessedness. Praise God. In the book of Romans, it, I'm going to read that to you. I think I want to read the Amplified. I like the, I'm the King James girl, you know. Just what we got started on. So some people are smart. They got a better translation or more understandable in, in everyday language translation from the beginning. But uh, I got this one. But anyway, uh, in, in uh, Romans, oh, I'm in the wrong book. Okay, I'll get to Romans. In chapter 4, I'm going to start in verse 1 and read down a little bit. <clears throat> I'll do the King James. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, is found? The book of Romans is interesting. It starts out speaking of uh, man's condition and how man 
whether he's heard the gospel or not, knows that God's real. And, and what he says is when you knew God, you did not acknowledge him as God. So if you refuse God enough, he turns you over to certain things. It says he turns you over to your own way of living, your own lusts, a reprobate mind that can't be easily converted. He talks about uh, the increase of immorality, homosexuality. He talks about uh, men, you know, lusting after men, women lusting after women. And, and that's the most depraved condition of humanity. It's not happy and it's not gay. It's depraved as far as God's concerned. You know, God has a standard. When he created everybody, he created them with a certain standard in mind, with a certain expectation of what your life would be about, with a plan for you, all of that. And it's never recognized if you stay steeped in sin. Never recognized. And so he, uh, the, the writer, Paul writes in the book to the Romans, he tells them, and this is good to write to a pagan people because they can relate because the Roman lifestyle was just like that. You know, it was very depraved. They believed in all kinds of gods. They had temple prostitution. They had gluttony. They had every vile uh, thing imaginable that a human being could possibly do. And so Paul addresses that, and he, he lets them know that, that you, you indict yourself because you know there's a God. You know there's a God, and God makes himself known to everybody, not, sometimes not a personal revelation, but his existence is known. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. You know, you, you can't attribute that to anything but somebody bigger than you can do it, got me? and that's God. And so when he talks about this, he, he talks about that, and he, he brings it down to um, the difference between the Gentile and the Jew. And he talks about the Gentile way of life and the sinner's way of life. And then he talks about this covenant that we have that we've come into. And it is, it, it, it is a, a covenant where one man was able to bring together two nations and bless them in himself. Abraham brought together from the circumcised side those that were in his natural bloodline, and he also brought in from the faith side those who came in through believing, because he did both. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So he was a believer first and then the circumcision. And he brought everybody together into one family, even as a figure back then, Christ being the seed that was being talked about that would act it out in reality. And so we all come together as one in Christ. And, and so the dispute was whether or not the circumcised had more privilege than the uncircumcised or vice versa. And he said God brought them together as one man through the seed of Abraham, and that's Jesus Christ. But if you want to get technical, they were already one in Abraham because he brought together the circumcision and the uncircumcision. Both were blessed with that blessing. <clears throat> and so he says here in verse 4, verse 1, but if so, all right, so what shall we say then that Abraham, our father, is pertaining to the flesh is found? Or if Abraham were justified by works, he has something whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God. All he did 
was put his confidence in God. And God took his confidence and exchanged righteousness for that confidence. When you invest in God, you always get more back than you. I mean, some of our little teeny believing, halfway believing, halfway not, fleecing God, not fleecing, and you know, that stuff we do and we still get blessed. Uh He says, for what does the scripture say? He believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now to him that works is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. So you, the more you try to work and get God to bless you by being good, the worse off you are. And it's designed that way to make you stop. Stop being a hypocrite. Stop being a liar. Stop being a fornicator, adulterer, a hoe, a hoe hopper, a pimp, a drug addict, whatever you is. Just stop it. Trying to work your way in because you get more in debt. You ever notice that about sin? You just get steep, deeper and deeper into it. And God designed it that way so you get sick of it and cry out to him. That's how you get saved. You get sick of unrighteousness. And it was the same thing with the Jew who had to perform the law. He got sick of the law. Because if you look at the book of Leviticus, you think, God, seriously? I mean, really? You really expect people to do that? And he said, no. That's why I put it in there, so you can't do it. Now, we're all supposed to quit trying when we come to Christ, but old habits die hard. The first thing we do when somebody goes, wonder what I did. You did everything wrong. So repent and put on righteousness and let's get it let's get going. You don't need a timeout. Huh? There's no timeout box in God's kingdom. I'm gonna say it again. There's cause some people think there is. See, there's no timeout box. Or you think other people need a timeout, but you don't. See this? <laughs> you know the devil do that one to you too. Huh? <laughs> I was listening to, and I told this story before, I think, uh, Bill Withers, the um, uh, Ain't No Sunshine When She, you know, that one. Now, he was a stutterer when all of his life, and he, they showed him, uh, you know, his age now, he's like in his early 70s, I think, and he was going to a convention of stutterers that, I think we didn't know that he did because since he's been singing, that's what most people know him from, being popular. There's no stutter there, and there's no stutter in his speaking either. But he talks about a time when he did, and he talked about all of the prejudice and the abuse that's heaped on people that stutter. And he made an interesting statement, which I thought was pretty good, and I don't know that he's saved or he knows the lord but he said he said this he said if you as a stutterer if you're going to live a normal life and have peace and have joy in your life he said you have to cultivate resident forgiveness within yourself toward people who will offend you because many will and isn't that the truth about Christianity? We're going to get offended. If you want to, you can be offended by somebody's wallpaper. 
Look at them roosters on there. Where they get that wallpaper from? You understand what I'm saying? We can, <laughs> if you let yourself. And so if you have a resident forgiveness, and we do, on the inside of us that we can draw up at any time and instantly forgive and instantly confess and instantly, we will have no time out in God's kingdom. And you'll understand what righteousness is. You'll understand what holiness is because you'll, you'll walk in it. See, there are people who don't walk in it that are trying to explain it to people who don't walk in it, and nobody walks in it. I'm going to say it again. There are people who don't walk in it that are trying to teach it and explain it to others who don't walk in it. So nobody walks in it. The ones who walk in it, and that, that's really what, what God puts, puts teachers and preachers through their paces for. So that we will, will, you know, figure these things out and walk them out and prove that the word works. And then we can give a testimony and share with people so that you can walk in the same thing too. And so when God starts to speak to us about where we're going in life, we have to understand the basic core principles of Christianity and the atonement and walk in those things. Cultivate a habit of walking in them consistently so that this thing works for you. It doesn't work if you do it here and there. It doesn't work if you do it, you're nice to people only when you want something from them or when you're broke and you don't have nothing. You start being nice there. It don't work like that. See, he wants what's in the inner core. As you think it's in the deepest inner core part of you, that's who you really are. If you think selfish and you think... Uh, you know, they don't like me and I got to do something, you know, cute and fancy to get over on people. If you think in that manipulative kind of way, that's who you are in there. And God wants to root him out and put resident forgiveness, resident love, resident love of God, resident righteousness. No shame, no, no degradation, no hiding from anybody. No. My warts show. <laughs> you know. God will let them show sometimes just so people, you know, I don't get too far ahead of myself and people don't get the wrong idea about life. He's in charge of everything. So what am I trying to hide for? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like you can walk around with a side that says, kick me on your back. Everybody sees it. You understand what I'm saying? God gives you that. He's, he's in charge of these things. Okay, trust him and just be you to the max. You understand what I'm saying? Find out who you are. You have goodness inside of you. You have mercy inside of you. You have love inside of you. You have all those things inside of you. You know, let them, let them flow. Let them rip. Yeah. So anyway, he says, him that works, <laughs> works, now to him that works, the reward is not reckoned of grace but of debt. Huh? Grace is the total unmerited favor of God. You just have to get used to it. And you have to let your mind click out of that mode that tries to get you to figure out what to do to get God to do something. And just be led. Led by what? (laughs) You need to find that out. That's a relationship thing between you and God. How does he lead you? How does he speak to you? Huh? The Bible says in the latter days he speaks to us through his word and through his son. 
You've got to be born again of the Spirit of Christ on the inside of you. And work that out with fear and trembling before God. You know, consider him holy. Consider him gracious. Consider him not playing with you. But he's serious about wanting to bless your life and wanting to help you. He says, but to him that works not, but believes on him, that justifies the ungodly. Yeah. His faith is counted as righteousness. There's an arrogance and a pride in wanting to work work this out yourself. That's what God hates. So that's why you don't get anything for that. And then you're frustrated and angry. Well, I've been doing so-and-so, and I've been doing this, and I've been, that's your problem. You've been, you've been, you've been, you've been, you've been doing. Hmm? And God wants you to take orders from him. Ooh, that hurts. Spired out. Ow. Take orders. He told me God was good. He is. Good people know what they're doing. So they're qualified to give orders. Good people are qualified to give. Mm-hmm. Your parents are good. That's why they're qualified to give orders to the children. Husband's good. That's why they're qualified to give orders to the family. You understand? The pastor's good. That's why they qualified you. <laughs> you're good at your job. You're qualified to boss people. They're looking for people who want to take responsibility. It says, even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. Interesting. In order to get forgiveness, you got to confess. This is a problem with Christians. We want to skip the the essentials. (laughs) If I go up to Miss Nolan and slap her, I better be running, number one. <laughs> Howard up there, little Howard up there. But, huh? But, and I don't ever say anything to her. What do you think that leaves her with? Mm-hmm. See, that's bad. Mm-hmm. Confused, want to retaliate, don't understand what they, you, you understand what I'm saying? But I said, oh, I'm sorry, Miss Nolan, I, just, I didn't mean to do that. And I go to make amends. It yeah. didn't undo it, but it, I'm trying my best to make amends. That's all God's asking us to do. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? That's all. That didn't hurt me. That didn't cause me to be diminished. In it. In fact, it hopefully it elevated me to the place where I'm doing the will of God and I am a righteous person. You understand what I'm saying? And I'm not in doubt about it because that's the biggest thing about righteousness. When we sin and not confess, we're always in doubt about our standing before God. It's the truth. And see, that's what gets us into trouble. It's not that we don't understand anything or we not taught these things. We don't practice them enough to get, make it real and understand what it really means to be a righteous person. We don't practice it. So if we have a resident within us, desire to stay right with God at all times, we don't have a problem apologizing to people we don't have a problem confessing our sins to god we don't have a problem confessing our faults one to another so that we can be healed remember that one (laughs) when does that happen everybody hiding 
pretending. Well, see, Amos 9.13 is to get you out of the pretense. You want it bad enough, you'll come out the closet. Huh? You will come out. See, it's the practice of it that makes it real to us, folks. It's not the, I need some more teaching or I need to hear another tape or I need to, you know, find somebody else's good word on this. And we need to practice what we know already. And practice it habitually so that we can start to see and see what you practice habitually and your spiritual condition that is, is born of habit will begin to draw consistent reward, consistent blessing, consistent. So we won't have to stop and figure out what kind of seed do I sow to get my breakthrough. You walk in continual breakthrough. David said, blessed is the man to whom God, that means blessings flow into your life over and over and over and over and over again. Blessed is a man to whom God does not impute sin anymore. But you've got to walk in it. You've got to walk in it and you've got to know how to maintain that state of blessedness in your life. And so he says here, David describes the blessedness of it. He's under the law, under the old covenant. Their righteousness came by having faith that if they did the law, it was enough. God and they never were able to maintain it because they always found a way to cheat huh I just did a little bit of sin I ain't gonna take my lamb over there today we gonna eat lamb next month see they ate their sacrifice blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven whose sins are covered blessed is the man to whom God will not impute sin Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only upon the uncircumcision also. So that was what Paul was asking. This blessedness. What is it about this? What's he talking about? What is this blessedness? The one he's talking about. Is it material only? Of course it isn't. You'll never get it. Donald Trump has material blessedness only. He's still looking to be somebody. If he find the Lord, he knows he's somebody already, but he don't know that yet. Pretty much everybody who runs for president is seeking to be something other than what they. It's true. It says this blessedness. What? It, what? How can we describe it? Blessedness. <clears throat> it says to be blessed. The blessedness in the uh, in our Strong's there's Strong's concordance that you know looks up all your Bible words and everything. One of the uh, definitions is beatification, B-E-A-T-I, not beautification, but beatification. To be beatified just means to be blessed, but beatification means a state of extreme continual blessing. That's what this blessedness is, the one he's talking about. The one that comes through faith in Jesus Christ, the blessing of Abraham, that blessedness is described as an, an extreme uh, blessing. Good fortune, it means to be happy, 
It means to pronounce or esteem. When something is pronounced, that means it's larger than usual. If, if somebody has a pronounced tumor on their hand, it's larger, it's so big, you see it coming. So what God says is this state that I want my people to rest in, live in, and abide in is so big they'll see you coming. If you think you're not seen as a Christian, this is what gets me sometimes with us. You know, you see it in ministers on television. God's already elevated them, given them millions of dollars, either for their personally or, you know, sells their books and all that. And they still are trying to be facelift, which I used to be, no, <laughs> I used to be against them. <laughs> you know, as you get older, you know. Botched. <laughs> See, that would be me. You understand what I'm saying? I go somewhere sneaking off somewhere and wind up on botched. <laughs> I'm here, my mouth is all down. They messed me up. <laughs> oh, Lord. But, you know, we, we're still trying to be somebody. It's amazing. It's really hard to settle in to where your inner is so in tune with God that the outer don't really matter. (laughs) We all got hang-ups about the outer (laughs) somewhere or the other. We're all trying to fix it up. You know what I'm saying. Wishing this wasn't like that and that wasn't like that. And God put that there to make you, to force you to look on the inside and not (laughs) not the outside. We fall for it every time. <laughs> Anywho, where was I? Blessedness. This blessedness. Blessedness. What does that mean? You know, the Buddhists believe in a state called nirvana. Okay? And that is an enlightenment. It's a mental thing. Where they believe that once you, and this transcends reincarnation. So once you're re- reincarnated so many times, you reach nirvana but you got to die and come back die and come back you might be a grasshopper next time you might be a worm next time you got to work your way up and keep them no this blessedness that we live in we live in now you know why it's an eternal blessedness it didn't start with when you got saved it's an eternal blessedness which means it has no beginning, it has no end, it has no... You just learn to jump into it when you get saved and when you start serving God. You jump into this state of blessedness. That means it can't stop because it never started. It was from the beginning and it is everlasting. <laughs> so what that means is that you just goes like... You know, like uh, something you almost can't. You ever see cotton candy being made? 
and you see them put that stick in there, that's you. You put your stick in there and just start winding it up because it's going to always be there and always be there. That blessedness, you pop it in your mouth and it tastes good. In order for the Buddhist to reach nirvana, he has to have an extinction of desires and suffering and individual consciousness, which means you've got to be a zombie in order to enjoy life as a Buddhist. After you didn't come through life 15 different, 100 different times. But this blessedness, you can't work your way into. It's conferred on you. And it's sapped into your life. You either believe it's there and enjoy it and partake of it. Or you go back into works. Because that's what most people do. They choose that instead of choosing God's way. This blessedness is not material. The blessing that's conferred upon you is conferred through covenant. So it's words. This blessedness comes through words. And you must receive these words in order to experience it. One of the definitions for blessedness is happiness. that movie the, with Will Smith about that poor guy that went through all the trouble. I was looking at that. I just go up to him and slap him and say, just go, <laughs> go to work or something. I don't know, but it worked out for him. You know, it paid the price. And then he goes through all of this, and then at the end of the movie, when he comes out and he gets the job, and he said, that state that I'm in is called happiness. And I'm thinking, brother, you could have been happy. Oh, if you had Jesus, you could have been going to that thing happy. You could have been taking care of your boy happy. You, could, you understand what I'm saying? Works versus grace. <laughs> means to pronounce, we said that, or esteem. means elevate it means supremely blessed. This blessedness shows on your countenance. I know a lot of us try not to show anything to anybody. You know, we're poker, poker players in life. I have a stiff face all the time so they don't know anything about us. Sad. It's it's peace. Just ask God to give you a dose of freedom the next time. God, can I get free? <laughs> there are degrees of blessedness, everything from peace. So if you, on a scale of say one to five, peace, contentment, happiness, joy and extreme joy or excitement so the blessedness of God is not everybody looking alike which religion tries to get everybody to do isn't that right it's you might be feeling if 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 the word of God comes forth and, and you it moves you in a certain way 
you might just get a peace about you or you, you just might receive it internally without much change in you. Or somebody else might jump around about it because it's just what they wanted to hear. And we're hoping God had a word. You understand what I'm saying. So blessedness is that state of being totally contented and all of the extremes involved in it. That's what we that's what's conferred on you from day one. Everybody who remembers when they got saved. And you remember knowing for sure that you weren't going to hell and knowing for sure that your sins were forgiven. You remember that state. That was conferred on you. And it was paid for by the blood of Jesus. See, this blessedness can never be extinguished and not taken away from us because it's thoroughly paid for. You don't get part of it. Now, and you can't only be but so happy in life because there's nothing else to be paid. So you can get as happy as you want to every day. You can get drunk happy in God all you want to because for the extremes of it and for the shallows of it, it's all been paid for. So there's no like little blessedness for you because you got little faith. The blessing is conferred on the the son by the father and he is blessed by the father's words and the father speaks you are saved and that sozo means delivered set free not in bondage anymore free to serve god free to do what what god wants you to do see it's a higher freedom than we get in the world because in the back of your mind, if you're having too good a time in sin, you know there's a penalty coming. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows there's no free ride out here. The son is the heir of all things, and we are joint heirs with him. So with this blessedness comes a sense of security in your situation now and future security where there's no a big question up ahead of you as to whether or not you're going to make it whether or not there's provision whether or not there's life for you whether or not there's hope for you there's nothing like that in this blessedness there's only the extreme understanding of you can be happy 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 every day because this blessedness also is not contingent upon circumstances this is contingent upon God. And God don't change. Your circumstances will change, but God never does. And if God is God, he's in charge of all circumstances. All you need to do is talk to him and ask him to change circumstances. And if circumstances do not change, he'll change you so that you can live like circumstances have changed already even though they haven't that's this blessedness that's what this does it's an inner life on the inside of us where everything's right nothing's lacking if an idea comes to you that there's something wrong in your life or something wrong with you or something you can't do or you can't attain to God will make the adjustment for you and he will reassure you that there's nothing to be concerned about. 
And so then you can go into a place of contentment. And then you can go into joy and you can live as though there's nothing wrong. And you might have people knocking on your door with due bills and gas bills and turn off notices and every kind of thing. This blessing, this blessedness is not dependent upon circumstances. It doesn't matter which wolf is at the door. And it don't matter how he got there. See? See, this is this is why this is why <laughs> we have our little stopping points in our blessedness. This is why we have bad attitudes. This is why we don't want to talk to nobody. Uh-huh. Because we can't get over us. Get over yourself. You can live. <laughs> you can live very well. Huh? You're not stopping your show. Do you know God has created ability in you to override you? Huh? He did it with Samson. If you want to go there, you know, y'all want to be bad, be too tough for God. I don't think it's that easy. I, I mess up so much. That's why you, that's why you do it. You don't think it's that easy. Easy or hard, it's true. Huh? Samson sinned. He'd go sleep with women. He said, you know, his parents say, don't you ever want no nice? Huh? He didn't like nice girls. That's what's wrong in the church now. Huh? A lot of men don't like nice girls. That's why they always go, never date any girls in the congregation. Always go out and drag somebody in. And they be heavy, too. (laughs) Laden with sin. Huh? It's told his parents, you know, and of course... The Hebrew culture, the the parents would seek a suitable girl. He he gonna get the parents involved. Go down there and go where the Philistines live. Get me a girlfriend. And they say, don't you ever want somebody that's? But Samson understood some Christians don't understand. When he got up from sleeping with hoes, he shook it off. And got his strength back again and kept trucking. Huh? And God showed up and helped him. And see, we want to sit in the penalty box for three days when we have a wrong thought about somebody. Nikki woke up. What you, what's so funny back there, Nikki? <laughs> right. This blessedness comes when we know our sins are forgiven. That's all you got to know. That's all you got to know. <laughs> Past, present, and future. What? 
did you see what that preacher did? His sins are forgiven if you'll confess them. See, the problem with that, let me tell you what the problem with that is. People get in that place they never thought they were going to be because they don't know God well enough to keep them out of it. See? Then when they get there, they're double dumb because they don't know they can come out if they'll find that place in God. So they stay there. Always trying to make up for, I made that big mistake way back. Many of them never get reach the place they used to be in ministry or go beyond. Now, I've never been there, so I don't even know if it's possible. But according to the word, it should be. Your sins are totally forgiven. But see, you don't want to go there. It's easier to practice your Christianity and not go there than to be a sloppy Christian, go there, and then got to learn everything on top of the condemnation that's in your head. This blessedness, when we know our sins are forgiven, God is not willing to impute sin to us anymore. He's not willing. It's not his will to put you in double jeopardy. That's the devil's business to try to put the righteous in jail again. So it begins with the atonement. This blessedness begins with the atonement. And it comes, but not without blood. Many times in the book of Hebrews, it talks about the high priest entering in to the holy place, but not without blood. Blood speaks. We talk about blood a lot in this covenant because that's how sins are forgiven. Somebody's got to shed that for you. It's got to qualify. And so the one who qualified was able to get us into this state of blessedness through the forgiveness of our sins. Amen. Comes not without blood. It is a blood-bought righteousness, so it's permanent. It's not going to go anywhere. You can dance around it all you want to, and you can pretend you're not good enough all you want to, but you better learn how to partake of it anyway. And know it's real. So it's permanent in our lives. So it's therefore a conferred blessedness. It's just put on you. It's conferred. It will not depart from our lives. Because of of what we fail in. It goes nowhere. It's not diminished. It's not you don't get halfway righteousness because you only did something halfway. Even though if I was giving it out, I'd do it and you would too. (laughs) That'd teach them a lesson. That shows you how warped we still are in the way we think. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes it'll work for you. You know, sometimes if you withhold from your children and don't give them everything until they come up to a certain standard, it works like that. Why is it that it works in humans, just mere humans, but it don't work? That's not the way God, he always has to go higher than our thinking. His ways, his ways are higher than our ways. So he can give us the best, giving you the, oh, sorry. <laughs> Miss Anita, she shows up anytime she wants to. I don't have no control over her. No, but uh, you know what I'm saying. He gives you his extreme best when you're at your, your extreme worst. 
Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. Woo! Make you want to live right. All the time. Woo! To think of that. And he never diminishes. There is no second best in his bag to give us. He don't carry stuff like that. Why? He can't deny himself. He can't lie on himself and say, well, you know what? I was going to give you what I had in my word, but I decided to clip a little bit out because you wasn't, you know, you weren't up to snuff. Sometimes in God's mind, if he gives us his best when we're half stepping, it puts enough conviction on us to want to step up and do better. He has a way of working that out. So it's a conferred blessedness. It will never depart from our lives. Because of what we fail in. Failure is always temporary if you have a covenant with God. It's whenever you decide to get up and want to get in the game again, that's when it's on. Huh? That's when it's on. So it is therefore, <clears throat> it's curse-proof blessedness. You know, these little, they have little teachings that run through the body of Christ, you know, intellectual things where believers catch on to some what they think is a truth and then they want to run with it see anything you can run with god didn't give it to you so keep running things that are of god are precious and he treats them that way now people want oh it's a generational curse i have no such thing I have a blood covenant that stops all that. Huh? Everybody was memorizing Deuteronomy 28 when I was just getting the blessings and the curses. Oh, it sounds like you curse. No, it don't. Sounds like you better believe God so he can impute righteousness to you. And you can walk on. See, I'll be pimping right on up there getting my stuff. Y'all can stay. If you want to believe that, you help yourself. But see, Christ hath redeemed me from the curse of the law. I've been bought out of it. And the devil can't buy me back. I won't let him. Huh? Oops. Sorry about that. <laughs> I didn't preach my earring off. Woo! Galatians 3 9. His blessedness was imparted to our father Abraham. So we have a witness that it really exists. And you can read up on it and see how wonderful it is. Galatians 3. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are under the works of the law are under the curse. You start working and you you don't get anything, but you can repent, start believing God again. It's easy to slip over into works. All you got to do is have one day where you don't get in touch with God like you're supposed to. That's what keeps you, you know, in a state of blessedness. Is your contact with the blessor. Huh? Living contact with the blessor will do it. 
He says, Christ has redeemed, and it says, uh, they're blessed with faith for, for as many as under the works. Cursed is everyone that continues not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. You can do the book of Leviticus, Leviticus, help yourself, and Deuteronomy. Do Maramonomy. And he says, but the law is not of faith, but the man that does them shall live in them. Christ then, whew, good news. You don't even have to pay much attention to that nonsense because Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Now, in order to, to be redeemed and walk in your redemption from the curse of the law, you have to maintain a certain level of connection with this blessedness. Got me? A certain level of contentment. Discontent puts, you, puts your soul over into a realm where... God cannot feed it the fruit of the Spirit. You got me? Anger will put you, if you feed anger, you know, the Bible says be angry and sin not. Everybody can have a flash of anger. You know, a lot of people don't want to call it that. Oh, I'm just frustrated. That looks angry to me. Talk about your frustration. I'm frustrated. Well, where I get frustrated is, oh, you angry. Call it what it is, and you can deal with it the way the Bible tells you to deal with it. It tells you to be that, but don't sin. Don't let it lead you to sin. In other words, don't feed that thought. Don't feed that emotion with a thought that legitimizes it. That's when you sin, is when you try to legitimize your anger. It ain't legitimate. It's an emotion that flares up. You don't have to judge it one way or the other. Just don't let it linger and don't let it sin. Because if it festers, it's going to lead you to do something about it. You know how people get. Huff and puff and blow your house down. And then when, when your anger has caused you to sin and the devil's happy, and you left with a, a, a train wreck. Uh, I don't care if y'all say it. Or... Huh? You are. Left with a bunch of fragments of stuff. You done tore up. And whooped up. You know, and anger accelerates to rage. Or some people don't even know what hits them and they just feed it so much. It's the devil that grabs you like that. You know? You want to start throwing things around, hitting people, and you can't shut up and quit talking your anger all the time? That's wrong. It's wrong to spew from that spirit out into the atmosphere. You affect other people. Angry people raise angry children. You understand what I'm saying? You just, it's, it's, it's sin when it's like that. God didn't, didn't that's not blessedness. Now, people who are blessed and know they're blessed are happy. Huh? It shows on their countenance. And it's, it's, it's hard to disturb that, especially when it's, it comes from a deep conviction and it comes from a deep relationship with God. So this blessedness was imputed to our father Abraham. And it came through the Melchizedek priesthood. It didn't come through the law. 
Remember Abraham when he, he, it shows that one encounter, but I believe he had many, many encounters with Melchizedek. Let me see what, I'm going to go to book of Hebrews real quick. I'm going to show you. To show you this blessing is eternal. It doesn't start with man. It doesn't start on the earth. It doesn't start with things that are perishing. Hebrews 7. I look at blessedness as a swimming pool. You just dive into it. Huh? You don't have to work yourself up into a good mood to feel blessed. You just dive into it because it's there for you. It says, maybe I'll do the amplify. This, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem and priest of the most high God, met Abraham as he returned from the slaughter of kings and blessed him. Blessed him, made him happy, made him joyful, made him consider himself to be content at all times. Now, Abraham had just come back from battle and won the spoils of a war. He was rich, but he was not blessed. And he sought the blessing. He could have stayed rich and kept that 10% to himself. But he wanted the blessing. Why did he want the blessing? Why was he willing to offer up a tenth of the spoil to Melchizedek who blessed him? Why? Because he wanted a continual state. Listen, that man went down to Egypt and messed up so bad it would make a pimp embarrassed. I don't know why I said that, but no. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. He messed up up one side and down the other. Why? Why did he do that? I think about it. Think about what you do sometimes. Huh? Self-preservation. He was self-driven, trying to bless himself. You can't bless yourself. You might be able to help yourself a little bit here and there, but you can't bless yourself. Abraham was trying to make his life last beyond that encounter in Egypt, last beyond the famine. Last be- I'm talking about himself, not Sarah to himself. He didn't care if, if, if somebody took her off forever. You understand what I'm saying? He's, he's so caught up in the famine and the circumstance that he was living in, the pressures of life. And he got, when he got through that and he got to serving God and building altar, God said, why don't you start living for me, live in covenant with me, and you won't have to worry about the famine. You won't have to worry about where, how you're going to make it. You won't have to sell Sarah off again. And so he sought the blessing because even though he had material things, he knew they were short-lived. He knew there would come another famine. He knew something else would come. And he said, you know what? I believe if I serve this God and I have a covenant with him, he will bless me in such a way I won't have to worry about this no more. And that's, what he, that's why he sought the blessing. He gave a tenth of the spoil 
to Melchizedek, and that's important because that's the priesthood that Jesus has come from. It says here, Abraham gave him a tenth portion of all the spoil. He is primarily, as the name when translated indicates, king of righteousness, which means right standing, right thinking, right understanding, right wisdom, right works, right with God. Got me? You're right all the way down the line. So Melchizedek is able to confer upon Abraham righteousness as he puts his faith in him and confidence in him to give him a tenth of the spoil. He's king of righteousness and then also king of Salem, which means king of peace. So there you got the blessing of peace and the blessing of conferred righteousness in Abraham by faith. He says, without record of father or mother or ancestral line like Jesus, Neither the beginning of days or ending of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues to be a priest forever without interruption, without successor. The Levites died, so they had to have replacements all the time. But this, this priest continues forever, and we are part of that priesthood. We are part of You can go to God anytime you want to. Huh? I mean, it doesn't matter who leaves the earth. Everybody who's here who's a part of the body of Christ can still go to God. He says, now observe and consider how great a person this was to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth or topmost or pick of the heap of the spoils. And it is true that those descendants of Levi who are charged with a priestly office, they have to do it over and over again. But this person who is not their Levitical ancestry received tithes from Abraham himself and blessed him who possessed the promises of God. You can have stuff promised to you and be most discontent. And some of us live that way. Listen, Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. And God already told Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your descendants uh, as the stars of the sea and the sands of the, the seashore. I mean, he had promises already. But he did not live in a state of blessedness because he kept being worried about himself. Didn't God already tell Abraham he'd make him a father of many nations? And then he went down to Egypt and told, tried to sell his wife off. So he had promises, but he was not blessed. Listen, that's 99% of Christians, folks. We got promises. We read our Bibles. We go to Joyce Meyer. We go to Kenneth Hagin. We go to Kenneth Copeland. We go everywhere hearing more and more and more and more about promises, but we are not a blessed people. You know why I can tell that the blessing hasn't been received? Because they short out because of circumstances. And if you're a blessed person, this blessing is not circumstantially determined. It depends not on your circumstance. Your, your place of contentment, your place of peace, undisturbed composure, happiness, uh, looking for hope and encouragement, all that stuff does not depend and never should depend on your circumstances. 
That's why some people get, go through extreme tests because they withstand the devil. You know, if you're somebody who break and crack the first thing, who they shorted my paycheck? I'm going to go down there and get me somebody. If you're blessed, you know you don't have to go get nobody. That money will come and find you. You understand what I'm saying? And this is apart from faith righteousness. This is a continual state of knowing your position in God, knowing that you are blessed, knowing that you can draw from that anytime you have need. You don't have to see it all around you all the time. You don't have to have it in your hands all the time. You, have, you can know that this is something. It's conferred on your life. It's placed on your life, and it will not leave your life ever. Now, you can go ignorant and not take advantage of it. Let the devil put you over and dumb. All he does is shake. Shake a little something. Huh? What I'm going to do? I'm going to be blessed. Huh? I'm going to go to bed tonight. I'm going to go to sleep tonight. I'm not going to worry about nothing and nobody. I'm going to put myself in a state <laughs> where the evil one touches me not because that's where I belong. I'm blessed and I know I am. See, this will stop you from clicking like on the lady with the high heel shoes, that, you know, on Facebook. Y'all know her. Blessed dress. If all it takes is a pair of high heel shoes to make you feel blessed, you missed the whole point. The blood of Jesus paid for your high heel shoes. Are you kidding me? Is that what you think a blessing is? This blessing has no beginning and no end. Just like Melchizedek just came up with it. Our blessedness is eternal and it's established before time and circumstances and is not dependent upon either one. It's not dependent upon time and circumstance. This blessing also cannot be revoked. God doesn't take away your blessings because you've been bad. You let the devil talk you out of them. Huh? Because you don't know who you are. Or you lose touch with who you are. It's not, it's not dependent upon or driven by circumstances or time. Your blessedness does not expire. You know, you had a time where God wanted to do something for you and it's over. And that's not true. He always wants to do stuff. The same thing, same thing you've been asking him for, he always wants to do it for you. He wants you to really believe that he's going to do it and allow him to bring it into your life. This isn't a faith grab. This is a trust in God to confer the evidence of what you're praying for, the, the manifestation, the material aspect of it to you. You've got to trust him to bring in the right season. Just keep, keep in a state of blessedness. It will come to you faster. If you're, if you're in a place in the spirit where you're drawing God's spirit toward you and you're cultivating the fruit of the spirit on the inside of you so that 
in your atmosphere, you create righteousness and peace and joy and love. Huh? Self-control, all the fruit of the Spirit. That creates an avenue where God can easily bring blessings into your life. See, if you're blessed and you walk in the knowledge of that blessing, God always knows where to find you. He always knows what's at the end of your your words and at the end of your experience. He knows all of these things. He's able to confer on your life the things that you need to make your joy complete. He wants to complete it. We started by acknowledging our blessedness. We started that way. And we say, God, here I am. I'm blessed. I'm your child. Thank you, whatever you have for me today. (laughs) Anybody want to pray a prayer like that? No, we too busy. Wait a minute. I believe I can have what I say. I say I have (laughs) $1,500. We want to always name everything. There is a place for that. But there is a place for God. I trust you to the degree. Whatever you have for me is good. It's all good. Sometimes God will ask you to do unusual things. He needs things done sometimes. Blessedness is also having a confidence in God to obey him in all things. All things. There are times where you may need to do things. God asked me to do something this week I've never done before. I can't tell you what it is, but I did it. And it was almost I was almost in a trance doing it the whole time. I knew it was God because it would be hard to do. And the natural, I'd be thinking, shit, I shouldn't I? I don't even know this person. You understand what I'm saying? And so God had to put, you know, husbands wish they had that power. Uh, wife, biscuits, chicken, no burn, <laughs> gravy. Huh? They wish they had that power. But but I know God needed me to do it. I know that now. And and for a while I was, oh God, what is it? You know how the devil will come and make you doubt, double guess. Shouldn't have done that, God. Should I have done that, God? Let me shut up, God. I'll mess up my return. You know what I'm saying? That's blessedness. Blessedness, that's the extreme of blessedness. That allows you, it suspends your natural resistance to obedience. See, staying in a state of blessedness and understanding it and and learning how to live in that realm will cause you to be able to do things in a giving aspect that exceeds your expectation of what you can do. Sometimes if you look back over the year, look at maybe just ask God to remind you of what you gave this year that was a blessing and how you released. And it may shock you to see how much you really have done. Why? Because you've been in a state of blessedness while doing it. It don't hurt you. Huh? It don't hurt you. You're not nickel and diamond and measuring and wondering and at every little turn. Being a blessed person will help you to be able to do that. In 1 Kings 8.23, it says, as I told you, this blessing cannot be revoked. Why? God keeps covenant and mercy. Mercy, not judgment. 
He keeps his covenant with you, but there's no curse for your broken, breaking his law on that. There's mercy on that so that he's able to help you to get confidence, cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Your conscience is purged of guilt, shame, dead work, so you can serve the living God without all those weights and anchors hanging on you. Get up and go serve him again and not wonder, am I doing this right? You know, is this right or is this wrong? Or, you know, why is so-and-so mad at me? What did I do wrong? Huh? Uh, righteousness gets you, that don't even matter. You know what? Let me tell you why. It's not that it doesn't matter that people about people it's not that people don't matter to you but the person who is blessed understands that if there is something and you have to be willing to do what god tells you to do if there is something that that is wrong it's fixed easily by god you understand there's a fix and there's a resolution to it whereas a sinner you were nervous about that because you know people would ever speak to you again if they if you did made certain mistakes around them but blessedness keeps you in a state of such contentment that you're number one willing to do whatever god tells you to do and you know that it'll be accepted and god will make things right it's it's no damage you're not a walking train wreck damaging everything and everybody to where it can't be repaired same thing on your job you're blessed with that job you are a blessing on that job even on your worst day but don't make your don't look to make your days bad just to prove that god's out there for you you understand what don't go in there with attitude well i'm a christian shoot me somebody you understand what i'm saying us Christians bad. You think we just push over? So I show you. Don't take my meekness for weakness. <laughs> and shot yourself in the head. You know, just chill out. God does not put us under the do's and the don'ts. <clears throat> he puts us under the teaching of the Holy Spirit, who leads us and guides us. Everywhere you go, that's the will of God. God has gone there before you and goes there with you. You hear what I'm saying? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delights in the way that you go. He's leading you and he's with you. Don't be so mistake-oriented. A blessed person is not mistake-oriented in their thinking. They understand the blessing they understand their position in it. They understand that it can't be revoked, but it, it, their mind doesn't click over and to try to take advantage of it. They're not man-feared and they're not man-pleasing. God keeps covenant and mercy, but we're not, you, it's not in an arrogant fashion. You know, you go in peace because you know the God of peace is with you. And anything that happens, he can fix it and make peace in it. Got me? He just wants to see you step out and do things, attempt to do things. I'd rather, much rather work with someone who is willing to step out and do something than somebody who's, oh, no, I don't want to. I don't know. I don't think that that's not my gift. No, you do that much better. Oh, come on now. Don't leave me stuck like that. You know what I'm saying? You 
God has you somewhere, you humble yourself and step into it. Why? Because you know it's going. You're a blessed person. You know it's going to work out. You do your best, and it'll work out. And don't go in there, you know, with your big knee. Go in there humble and just do what you're asked to do, and, and you know, do that and come on out. He keeps mercy. He is prompting us to keep our end of the covenant. So he's not eager to withhold blessing. The only way he can bless you is you step out in faith and do the obedience that it takes to receive the blessing. So God's eager. He's prompting us and and really spurring us out of our shell to come out and do what he wants us to do. The reason more people don't don't see the sick healed is they don't pray for them. You're not a healer anyway. But you know what? People think they have to have to be able to do something for somebody. No, all you have to do is know God well enough. Now, I ain't talking about no rookie moves here. You know God well enough to know his prompting, know his word, and step out and do that. So the Holy Spirit is our helper to keep our faith in God and act on that faith. He convicts us of sin. Why? So we can confess it and let the blessing continue. He's not beating you up because you're bad and going to leave you there. He's telling you what's going to hinder and stand between you and what you're looking to get from God. So that's conviction. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I say, oh, Lord, I done messed up again. Look at what I did. I'm sorry, God. That's all it takes. It's not some indictment where you got to go raise Johnny Cochran from the dead and try to get you some some help somewhere. Come on, y'all. You're convicted of sin because that's the one thing that will stop righteousness. It'll stop you from going forward. Not because God's mad at you because your head won't let you go any further if you got that messed up in there. So he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Why? So you can go forward and and really receive everything that God has for you. That's why the conviction. That's why the cleansing. You can get convicted when you're doing the best you can. I've been that way. Because it's like God is saying, (laughs) what you're doing sitting here, it's time to do more. You got me? Every time... Every time you get a, a different level of anointing, you're convicted about the level you're at. Abraham had to sacrifice Isaac. Was Isaac a blessing? Oh, yes, he was. Was he promised to him by God? Oh, yes, he was. Did Isaac do anything wrong? No, he didn't. Did Abraham do anything wrong? No, he didn't. God needed somebody on the earth to believe that he could raise somebody from the dead. And that's all there was to it. And he found a man that had that kind of faith in him. The Bible says Abraham picked that thing up and was going to stab him because he, he saw the boy raised from the dead in the figure. He saw a vision of him coming down that mount. Didn't he tell the guys at the bottom of the hill, hold on to it, me and the lad are going to go, and we're coming back down. So he believed in the resurrection, and God said, nope, nobody's going that far but me. I'll do the killing and the raising up around here. Amen. So God needs a faith down here sometimes. That's what we're all doing. We say we're faith people. 
He needs faith down here many times. That's why we go through what we go through. If there's faith down here on earth, somebody will be able to pick it up and use it. So we're laboring in this ministry. We're laboring for a faith that will change cities. Not just for us and for the time we live in, but there are generations coming after us that will have to change cities too. And they'll say, you know what, there's some books written by some, a little group of people in Cleveland and, and on the Great Lakes that, that were able to change some things and it's documented here and there. And so we saw what they did and we'll be able to do what they do. So that faith is resident in the earth. Somebody asked Oral Roberts why he built the city of faith and what did God tell him when he had to sell all that. Remember he had that hospital and he had to sell all that stuff. And he said, well, God told me he's not so interested in material things. He's interested in concepts and the faith behind the concept. So that people would stop fighting over whether it was either faith or medicine or faith and medicine. or The argument was settled. So you didn't have to die waiting on a miracle that you didn't have faith for. That kind of stuff. You understand what I'm saying? Well, God didn't care if it was a bunch of bricks and all that money it took. He could bring more of that. But the faith for that to work like that, he can't buy. Got to get somebody to act it out so that it can be done. Why don't we quit? Father in heaven, we thank you for your, your uh, word and understanding of your word. Thank you that this blessedness has come to us by virtue of the blood atonement. That we live in a state of continual blessing, peace, joy that shows on our countenance, Lord. It's pronounced. The devil can see us coming. And he must move out of the way because we are a blessed people. And it shows. When we know it, it shows. And I thank you, Lord, that your people know it, and it shows. In Jesus' name, amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you.